This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at Altizen.com. A-L-T-I-Z-E-N.com. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology, and media in Asia. In the second of the two episodes arc, Eva Xiao from TechNote and I continue our discussion of Xiaomi, China's largest unicorn. Whether it justified its current US 45 billion hype, their current challenges, and what kind of company it really is, and where it will be heading in the next few years. Hi Eva again, welcome back and we want to get to the part 2 of our conversation on Xiaomi. This is probably the more interesting part of our conversation like what we did the last time round. So I want to start off by asking a pretty interesting question. Xiaomi has the reputation to be called the Apple of China, where their business model in China is actually much more similar to Amazon with the focus on software services. And sometimes like Connie Chan from Andreessen Horowitz, she calls it Dell. Exactly how should one perceive Xiaomi as a company? Are they more hardware or software or something else? It's a good question. So, and I'm sure there's many different perspectives on on this. For me, I think emphasis on software or even, so I know at one point, Hugo Barra, who's in charge of international expansion for Xiaomi, he called Xiaomi more of an e-commerce company. And I believe other people at the company have said that as well. They say that they're an e-commerce company because they do most of their sales online. While that might be true, I don't think that's enough to make them an e-commerce company. So most of their revenue comes from smartphones and hardware still. I think from that perspective, I would say they're more of a hardware company. However, they have been branching out into a pretty large ecosystem of different products, as I mentioned in the last episode. So anything from a smart rice cooker to drones to a bike. So from that perspective, it, it could be the case that Xiaomi is working towards being more of an e-commerce-like company. However, at the moment, especially with their plans to expand into India and also you know, Brazil, which they've already entered, of course, but they're looking at those markets primarily to sell smartphones. So from my perspective, their trajectory is still very much tied to decent specs, but cheap smartphones. From what I've seen, I would still see them as a hardware company, despite all the, I guess, PR or despite all the comments about them being primarily software driven or an internet company. Their customer acquisition cost is actually low because they have a group of loyal fans would you also see that software business models actually also work for them as well? For example, software as a service models, because you talk about in the last episode about them being a game publisher and also having virtual currency for in-app purchases. Yeah, so maybe I'm being a bit unfair to Xiaomi. They do have a big software component, like you mentioned, with their app store, their Android OS, MIUI, which became famous for really just listening to its users to refine its products. And I would say that they do have an innovative business model in terms of their flash sales, which have given them a lot of control over supply or not you know, producing too many and having supply outstripped demand. They also save a lot of money. So they're a very lean company. I think that's something else I would like to add. So they've saved a lot of money from not paying too much for advertising, for example. They do a lot of innovative or interesting word of mouth advertising. So earlier this year, for example, Leijun leaked the Mi Band 2 and the Mi Max on a live streaming platform. Um, I've also seen Xiaomi do 
crowdfunding sales on Taobao's uh, crowdfunding site. That's a topic for a different episode, maybe. I mean, when I say crowdfunding, I don't want listeners to think that it's exactly like Kickstarter because it's really not. But point is that Xiaomi is also very smart or at least creative when it comes to advertising itself. The last thing I'll say about that is even though flash sales, like I mentioned before, are kind of an innovative part of their business, that's not to say that, that it doesn't really annoy people that, you know, you can't buy a phone because it, their supply sold in like a few seconds. So I would say that uh, their flash sales, though, it has saved them money and it has driven some hype in the beginning. A lot of people are really annoyed by them. And I think the other thing about the flash sales is that because they're doing contract manufacturing, so in supply chain wise, they actually control the demand very, very well so that they match the demand with the supply. So with more demand, right. they know exactly how they could plan their inventory for sales. So they don't have to, have to hold a lot of inventory with their e-commerce entity. Yeah, and then another point that I would like to add about supply chains, going back to Xiaomi and the way it thinks about its business. For example, in India, I know they're partnering with Foxconn there to kind of push the idea of made in India, even though it's a Chinese brand, even though it's Xiaomi. Obviously, keeping your supply chain local for them is also great to control and cut costs but also for their marketing purposes they've at least in india have kind of pushed it as like made in india what is the current footprint of xiaomi across the world i mean they have expanded to india and southeast asia which we talk a lot and avoided us on a whole but until recently they did this partnership with microsoft on patents and software product services so i don't know whether that is a hint that they're actually going to enter the us very soon can you talk a little bit about that well, they're definitely not the only Chinese smartphone company that wants to enter the U.S., Huawei as well, as well as ZTE. But everyone knows in the U.S., smartphone distribution is controlled by carriers, so you really have to partner with them. But in terms of Xiaomi's footprint across the world, well, in Southeast Asia, as you probably know very well, they started first with Singapore. Do you, have you ever used a Xiaomi phone, by the way? Yes, I do. Yeah. In fact, when I did the drone delivery for Singapore Post, we actually used the Xiaomi phone. Xiaomi is also very popular in Singapore. In fact, on the day it launched, all the Xiaomi phones were actually sold out very quickly. In fact, people were actually waiting for the next flash sales to happen. Yeah, so you can see how that would be extremely annoying for some people, but also very exciting for like their for hardcore Xiaomi fans. In addition to Singapore, I just wanted to ask, in Southeast Asia, there's Malaysia, Philippines, Indonesia, Thailand. More recently, elsewhere, you know, India, Xiaomi is really trying to crack the top five in terms of smartphone vendors in India. Locally, of course, it's the China market, but also Hong Kong and Taiwan, which are kind of easier wins. Outside of Asia, a big one I would mention is Brazil. And Hugo Barra, the person who's in charge of international expansion at Xiaomi, he's Brazilian. So, I mean, that's not the only reason. Brazil is also a huge market whose smartphone market is less mm. saturated than China's. So I think the, the key ones that it would bring out are those countries in Southeast Asia, obviously China and then Brazil. So Xiaomi has a strong fan base in China and other parts of the world. Can you talk a little bit about the demographic of Xiaomi users in China? Sure. So I guess if I were to describe them, I would look at two things. So in the beginning, something that really made Xiaomi stand out was how internet savvy it was. So like I mentioned before, doing online sales, reaching out through social media, interacting with their fan base through online forums. So from the very beginning, they're very attractive to younger users who are also 
pretty uh, digital natives, very savvy with the internet. That's one piece. And then another one I would say is like the low middle market. So because Xiaomi sells budget phones, so very affordable phones, this means that I would say in, in addition to younger users, anyone who is looking for a phone that's several hundred US dollars is also drawn to Xiaomi because they make pretty decent phones, but don't charge too much for them. Uh, the strong fan base also that they are also very loyal fans. They treat Xiaomi more like a brand than actually a consumer electronics company as compared to the other Chinese consumer electronics companies, for example, like Huawei or Oppo. So the, with Huawei and Oppo, they've started moving more towards higher end phones. And this is a response, very natural response to a saturating and maturing smartphone market. So, for example, you know, Huawei has the their Mate series, which is more high quality phones, and they're they're trying to sell those to target people who, you know, they've already had a phone, it's not their first experience, and maybe they're looking for something better and not just look like a student or someone who can't afford something better. So, Huawei and Oppo, like those companies, are targeting bit higher end users. So with Xiaomi, yes, they do have this reputation of listening to their users, but I don't think that makes them unique anymore in 2016. So yeah. it's something that Xiaomi will have to, well, is grappling with. It's interesting to know the demographic of the Xiaomi's fan base, but I also wanted to understand who are the key investors of Xiaomi? So I would break that into two parts, one being individual investors and the other being investment firms. Okay, so one individual that I would bring up, more recent investor of Xiaomi is Ratan Tata. So he's from India, part of the Tata Group, which is a big multinational conglomerate. And then another would be Robin Chan. So we actually brought up Robin Chan earlier in the last episode as being one of the earliest investors in Xiaomi. He's also invested in Twitter and Square, some other companies. You know, he's also been more very public about his support I'm saying, you know, that originally he was drawn to invest in Xiaomi because of Lei Jun. I think he said Lei Jun first. The second reason being the star team that he had. And then the third just being the idea of Xiaomi itself. So really investing in Lei Jun as a person. So those are two, I would say, notable individual investors. And then for investment firms... Uh, there's some big names like IDG Capital, Qualcomm Ventures, also Chinese companies as well, or Chinese firms as well, like Teaming Venture Partners and Xunwei Capital, which Lei Jun is a founding partner of. And also with the Sovereign Wealth Funds as well, Tomasic Holdings. So also Tomasic Holdings and Morningside Group. So Xiaomi has made a lot of investments in startups. I guess, which are the key categories of their interests and the important startups that we should actually watch? So in some ways, Xiaomi is kind of like a hardware incubator in that it has invested in many different companies that are part of the Xiaomi ecosystem. So for example, there's Huami Technology. So they've been helping to develop the Mi Bands and also the Smart Scales. There's also Zimi Technology. So they've been doing like power banks, the Xiaomi speakers, Xiaomi like portable fans, a bunch of stuff. There's another one, uh, Lumi. So it's, I mean... All the Mi's are kind of referencing Xiaomi, the investing company, but Lumi is really involved in the smart home. So all these different hardware companies are, you could say, are incubated by Xiaomi. Um, and then something else that I'd like to mention in terms of working with Xiaomi as one of its investees that I thought was interesting is Ninebot CEO and founder Louis Gao. So Ninebot does like hoverboards. They, recently, they also acquired Segway. So Ninebot CEO and founder said that Xiaomi is 
much more involved than a typical investor. So they'll give feedback, help you iterate the design, introduce you to supply partners and offer sales channels. So from that as well, you can see how Xiaomi is kind of incubating these different companies, but also using them to help Xiaomi expand into other verticals that maybe it can't on its own. That's pretty strategic part of Xiaomi's business. So from you talking about the hardware incubator, it seems that they fall into the wearables, the smart home, and right. also consumer electronics. Is that how they categorize their hardware offerings at the moment? Well, in addition to the the big things that Xiaomi itself is more directly involved in, such as its smartphones, right? But, you know, in addition to hardware, I would also say that recently Xiaomi has been making investments in more media and content-related companies. So ITE, which is a big video streaming platform in China, um, they invested in them. There's an Indian content company called Hungrama, which distributes content for Southeast Asia. I think they also have some Bollywood content there as well. That's another investment that Xiaomi made recently. And then Blue Whale Media, which is online business media startup. So I also don't want to make it sound like Xiaomi is just zeroed in on only hardware because they have also been investing in in content as well. There is this interesting question that has been ongoing in the investment world is that about, and I think there was a Fortune article that actually wrote on it, is whether Xiaomi can live up to its US 45 billion valuation hike. The reasons for that is because they have not done well in 2015 with the expansion in India and Southeast Asia. Their original target was 100 million US target, but they only managed to reach somewhere between 70 to 80 million for sales. So my question is, what happened? And can they actually live with that valuation hike? Again, a, a very good question, Bernard, that a lot of people have tried to answer. So there's a few big key factors that people have pointed out. So one is obviously the saturating smartphone market in China, as I mentioned, and other smartphone companies like Huawei have been dealing with that by creating higher-end phones and kind of moving more towards a premium brand. And for them, like Huawei has done quite well. It sold 100 million smartphones in 2015. And globally, I think IDC recently came out with a report saying that it's the third largest smartphone maker after Apple and Samsung. Um, and then after that's Oppo and Vivo, so not Xiaomi. Xiaomi did not break the top five. So there's the saturating smartphone market and then also like a... You know, what I mentioned earlier is that Xiaomi has more and more competitors now. At the end of last year or earlier this year, I heard new, more news about Xiaomi being aggressive and pushing into the India market. But a lot of companies are trying to do this. You know, there's Lenovo, there's Meizu, there's Huawei as well. From my perspective, Xiaomi is really sticking to its the same strategy that it has always stuck to, which is good products and that are affordable. So not high quality products, you know, that are less affordable, but just pretty good products and you can pay for them. They're cheap. So they're kind of sticking to that same strategy by expanding to less saturated markets such as India instead of doing what other their competitors are doing, which is building higher quality products and selling them for a higher price. And that's actually been working for Xiaomi's competitors. From one perspective, it does look like they're trying to relive their 2014 wave by doing the same thing. And I think in the tech world, you know, timing is everything. Do you also think that they have better too much onto the Internet of Things ecosystem with all these smart consumer electronics? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so another joke is, not joke, but people have joked about is Xiaomi selling everything 
you know, headphones, smart rice cooker. Recently, they came out. They mentioned uh, mosquito repellent, electronic USB mosquito repellent device. And Lei Jun saying they want to be more like Muji, so the Japanese like furniture store that sells all these other things as well. I think it's good to diversify your product offering, but you know, I think they did invest too much into trying to build an ecosystem of smart things. So I remember. Earlier this year, I went to CES Asia, so Consumer Electronics Show in Shanghai. And if you looked at Xiaomi's stand, it just, you know, it looked like you're walking to IKEA, just a bunch of random stuff. Different, like their their smart rice cooker stand was pretty huge, showing like different materials for the smart rice cooker bowl,、um, and then all these other different things. And it seemed really disorganized, or it seemed, yeah. The strategy just didn't seem very tight or put together,、hmm. so I I do think that's another part is that they went really they invested a lot in building up this ecosystem of smart things, which might not have been, you know, now in hindsight so smart. I have a different theory with regards to the reason why they got slaughtered on the smartphone because traditionally Xiaomi relies a lot on contract manufacturing of the phones, whereas Huawei itself is a chip maker and also. Building all the carriers for telcos all over the world. So one of the things that I was told by analysts is that Huawei actually leverages their smartphone chips that would tie in with their carrier networks, which actually gave them a core competitive advantage on the hardware side, which Xiaomi doesn't have. I think Xiaomi is much、mm. more stronger in the in the software side. So that's also partially one reason why they have also been. Huawei's been doing so well as well because their phones actually work better in that regard. Coming back, Xiaomi faced an onslaught from Huawei and other smartphone makers such as Oppo. Now globally, they're out of the top five, which has disrupted them from the low end, and it's also unable to move to the high end because there's Samsung and Apple on that side of the market. Where do you see them going in the smartphone space? I think the smartphone space, as you pointed out earlier, because they're caught in between all the their competitors. I think, from my perspective at least, maybe even going back to their roots and focusing on building a better software product is there is a good move and playing to their strengths in terms of you know different internet services, not just cloud storage, but perhaps moving to other areas. Even you know with their recent investments in content and media startups, maybe seriously looking at that as an opportunity that could differentiate themselves. I mean, I think that Xiaomi says this themselves that they're not a smartphone company. I think that is their big challenge, and if they can make themselves or focus not just on smartphones, I think the smartphone space will. Limit Xiaomi if they just focus on trying to win that area. I think I don't know if they'll be successful. So actually, from my perspective, I think their priority should be trying to move away from that and really generate value in other areas. What are the current priorities of Xiaomi, from your opinion, and where do you think they will be in five years' time? So as you know, Xiaomi is a six-year-old company. So five years, you know, really, really far in advance. Kind of hard to say what will happen that far in advance. I think, from my perspective at least,、uh, this year and next year will really define Xiaomi's fate of whether it's、uh, it will keep growing, keep being a big name player, whether it you know it will be BATX again instead of just BAT. So in the next few years, I would say I don't know about five years. I think it'll Xiaomi's priorities are international expansion. 
So they really stuck to this, their strategy of selling more affordable phones. You know, even with the drone, I would say it's not just their phones, but their hardware across the board, right? With their, their Mi drone that came out, it's kind of like, oh, this is like DJI, but cheaper kind of marketing. If they're sticking to that kind of strategy, I would say their, their big priority is expanding to other less saturated or less mature markets before their competitors do. And I think you mentioned earlier, you know, the I think they bought like 1,500 patents from Microsoft. That again, maybe that will help them move into the US. So I would say their big priority right now is on the business development side. They've also invested in, I said they 100 different startups, I believe, like June said. So I think also the tech community will know more about it as they unveil more of these startups that they've invested in. Mm. Um, and if it's more on the media and content side, then um, it will really shine some light on what their long-term strategy is. However, if it's more like uh, smart home gadgets to to fill in their ecosystem, then yeah, I guess that will also tell us something about their long-term strategy as well. So it remains to be seen whether Xiaomi is going to be successful, but of course we will continue to watch this. So Eva, as of always, how can my audience find you on social media then? So you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is Eva W Xiao. That's X I A O. And you can also go on techno.com to find uh, articles that I've written. Oh, and my WeChat. Yeah, my WeChat is the same as my Twitter handle. So E-V-A-W-X-I-A-O. You can find me at bleongcw or at bernaleong.com. Subscribe to us at Analyze Asia, A-N-A-L-Y-S-E-A-S-I-A. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast, and Google Play. You drop us a review. And of course, if you are using Overcast to listen to us, recommend us. Or if you are in iTunes, give us a great rating. So once again, uh, Eva, thank you so much for getting on the show to do this two-parter again. So uh, we will talk again sometime soon. Thanks for inviting me. Always a pleasure.